stuck my head into the office of a rather high-ranking team executive the other day in Bradenton and broached the subject of having too many elite catching prospects. This was fun. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Pirates. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or hockey. I also happen to offer daily shots of Steelers and Penguins, in case you hadn't heard this. Pirates losing yesterday in Sarasota to the Orioles 7-4. to Vince Velasquez bounced back from a kind of a eh start when I saw him over the weekend. Same ballpark, same opponent, definitely not the same results. Three scoreless innings, good for him. Pirates kind of need him, especially early on. And that really is the kind of thing that you're going to be looking for, I think, for the rest of this camp. Uh, As I keep saying, you're not going to have some uh, big cavalry rush of prospects knocking down the door to get to Pittsburgh, not out of spring training. So what you want to see is the slow, steady progression of what's going to end up being the 26-man roster in Cincinnati. That said, that said, it's not like the prospects don't matter. The two that I think we'd all agree are the most intriguing, certainly as a collective, are Andy Rodriguez, the reigning minor league player of the year, and Henry Davis, the number one overall pick in the draft. They have talent. They ooze character. And they're both on what appears to be a collision course, and I use the term advisedly, upon getting to the majors, because there's only so much space for the catcher position in the big leagues. Somebody's going to be a starter. Somebody's going to be a backup. And, you know, shrugging that off or trying to dismiss that as, well, you can try it as a platoon or split the games or whatever. No, that's not going to work either because neither of them is going to get sufficient at bats. And I'm not sure the DHing or alternating at first base will amount to any remedy either. So what I brought up with this executive was the very real possibility that even they don't know, or even they don't have a plan for precisely how this will play out. And this executive, while not responding to me verbally, did acknowledge what I'd said with a broad smile and a nod. I've shared this on this program before, and I don't think it's something that's necessarily going to be taken seriously by a lot of people because it sounds almost far-fetched, but it's the truth. These things play themselves out almost every single time. Sometimes they'll play themselves out for the worse, meaning someone will get hurt, someone's performance will fall off, someone will get discouraged, but sometimes for the better, meaning Let's look at the situation right now. Davis was just sent back to minor league camp. There shouldn't be any surprise to that. There shouldn't be any disappointment. No labeling Henry on this front in any way. Remember, it was Derek Shelton who said as far back as the winter meetings in San Diego this past December that neither Rodriguez nor Davis was going to make the team out of spring training. That's going to hold true. However... Henry was set out, and Andy wasn't. In fact, Andy had a single yesterday in Sarasota, 
in a DH slash PH, other way around, PH slash DH role, continuing what's been a very nice Grapefruit League season for him. This is what he does. He hits the ball. He loves the game. He's full of life. And he's not about to complain in one direction or the other as to whether or not he's a catcher. He showed up with a whole bunch of different types of gear to Bradenton. And I'm here to tell you, based on not anything that's internal, but based on something that an American League scout told me last September in Milwaukee, he feels that Andy can play pretty much wherever it is that you'd put him on the diamond but that he needs to stay put. In other words, Andy is such a such a passionate player, according to this scout, that he didn't really settle into his best offense until the Pirates left him alone behind the plate. Does that mean, again, that he has to be a catcher? No. No, I, I've had this conversation with Andy. He'll play wherever. He wants to be in the majors. But he wants to stay at one spot. He doesn't want to be somebody who's bouncing all over the place. And that's not a demand. That's not anything controversial or outrageous or or whatever. He's just sharing what it is that he'd want. Doesn't mean he's going to get it and doesn't mean that he's going to balk it. Not getting it. But the evidence is already there. The precedent is set that he's more productive when he's just left alone at one spot. What is that spot? I don't know. They've had him all over. They really have. They had him in the outfield, had him at different infield positions. He's athletic enough, nimble enough. In fact, if you look at Andy, he doesn't even really look like a catcher, kind of a wiry kid. Whereas Henry probably looked like a catcher coming out of the womb. You know, he's just got catcher build written all over him, real thick, stocky, wide shoulders. So my conspiratorial self wants to say, okay, Henry was sent back to minor league camp so that he can uh, begin working with the pitchers he's going to manage in Indianapolis, uh, begin getting to know them, and make sure that he's as active and as involved in game-type action as possible, which really isn't going to happen in the big league camp at the moment because you have to start getting Austin Hedges and everybody else involved. But, but with the tinfoil hat still on, Andy's still up there. Now, Andy hasn't been bouncing around the field. You haven't seen anything like that that would raise your antennas in that regard, and there's no need to do that. But he's still up there, and even if that's just for an additional day or two, that sends a signal. One guy leaves camp. The other one notices it. Believe me, they both notice it. That maybe he's a little bit ahead because he stayed healthy through all of last season. Unlike Henry, he's really, really, really on a big productive developmental role unlike Henry, and that's okay. That's okay. That's the way you throw a little bit of a bone to a guy who's performed the way you want. This will sort itself out. You are not going to have any setting in which both arrive in Pittsburgh, both are standing there with their catcher's mitts, and they're ready to have like some cage brawl to figure out who it's going to be. You'll see when we come back J1Q. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates is brought to you by our friends at North Shore Tavern that's directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. It's home of Steak on a Stone, an eating experience, underscoring the word experience. The steak is brought to you partially cooked on an 800-degree stone and 
you do the rest. It's a ton of fun, it's a great meal, and it's a baseball atmosphere like no other in Pittsburgh. North Shore Tavern, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. Today's J1Q comes from Ethan Early, who asks, DK, how important is the first week of this coming season for the Pirates? It seems for all this to work, it relies on the team believing in itself. So how important is like a 4-2 and two or even a 5-1 and one start compared to 2-4 and four or 1-5? and five? It's going to be tough, Ethan. It sounds like you've looked at that schedule. I don't get the sense from any great portion of this fan base that they have. Uh, there's a there's a rough run right at the start. Now, not at the very start. You're facing the Reds three games in Cincinnati. Of course, that's the the season opening setup out there. A Thursday, then the obligatory day off, then a Saturday and Sunday. After that, it's three games in Boston. Now, the challenge there is obviously you start off with six on the road. Um, the Red Sox while they've been down in the AL East, aren't exactly down in the bigger scope. They're still going to have some significant talent there. And then after that, at home, it's three against the White Sox, three against the Astros. Bear with me here. Then on the road for four in St. Louis, you know how those are going to go, followed by three in Denver, the Reds again, then the Dodgers, then the Nationals, then the Rays, then the Blue Jays. That's the first month. I just went through the first month with you there. And while you heard a couple of teams that the Pirates should be kind of like right at their level, you also heard a bunch that are way above their level. And they're going to have to punch up in order to get through this, I think, even with a respectable record. I'm talking to 500. I'm not sure that I foresee such a thing. This is one of the reasons why I'm always hedging on, you know, what do you think their season record is going to be? Do you think they're going to be 75 wins or 65 wins or whatever it is? Because so much of it hinges on the start that you have. If you go back to, and I wouldn't expect that many of you to do this, but if you go back to the 1997 season, Probably the last time that the Pirates really, really surprised. It happened right out of the gate. There were a couple of promising wins out on the West Coast. The Pirates came home. Everyone was kind of like, hey, we're not going to be a disaster. This was the $9 million team, by the way, the freak show, as Greg Brown called it. And things just kind of snowballed from there. Uh, Not excessively so, but there was confidence. There was a, hey, we belong Uh, We can compete with anybody. Look, because we beat these guys or we beat those guys. And everything got a little bit more solid and a little less gosh wow as it went along. If that were to happen for this team through that opening month, A, I'd be surprised, but B, it would really matter. I, I believe this is if they can get through a month like that, think about some of the Ws they would have had to acquire along the way. They probably would have had to pick up a couple of nice wins in Bush Stadium, for example, where they never win. They'd have had to uh, beaten, you know, real live frontrunners like the Dodgers, like the Astros, like the Rays, like the Blue Jays. And somewhere within that, individual performances 
would have solidified the the feeling that those players have, meaning within themselves. And that's when things start getting really good. Now, don't make me spell out for you what the opposite scenario would look like. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do another one of these tomorrow.